Thank you guys. How are we doing tonight? We doing okay? Amen. Grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We'll be in 1 Corinthians tonight, uh, chapter 12. We've been in this series entitled Authority, God's Covering for My Life. And as I shared uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, there's portions of this series that may not feel the most comfortable, but it is a blessing to us when we begin to see that God has given us a tremendous gift, a covering of authority. It's His direct authority, His delegated authority, but all of them teach us to submit and to obey and to receive the blessing He has for us. The Lord has been teaching us these days on authority. We're learning how to stay covered and at the same time beginning to see that this covering is a protection for us, not some kind of burden that we carry. Just by way of reminder where we've been the last couple weeks, first we saw these two principles that govern the universe. Remember that? One was God's authority, and second was satanic rebellion. Sounds kind of harsh, but it's either God's authority or it's a rejection of His authority, which is that rebellion that comes from Satan. Every thought, every word, every deed in your life comes under one of these two principles. And because we are all born with a bent towards sin, a bent towards evil, guess which one of these principles that we naturally operate under? It's the bent towards this rebellion that comes from Satan. But think about this great gift that God has given to us in Jesus that gives us an opportunity to come underneath His authority as we live in obedience to Him. And this leads to two essential decisions of your life and of my life. We talked about a couple weeks ago this essential decision to trust and to obey. To trust His salvation and to obey God's authority. No matter how hard you want to make this, when we live in accordance with God's Word, it is simple no matter how complicated we try to make it. It's not always easy, but it's that plain and simple. Once we've allowed God to free us from the guilt of our past sins and he calls us to give him every area of our life, we know that as sanctification, he then wants to lead us in this blessing of not only trusting him with salvation, but living in obedience to him. Last week we observed that our obedience to God's authority is tested when that authority fails. We looked at what do we do when authority fails, earthly authority fails. God's direct authority will never fail us, but His delegated authority in humans will. And sometimes it feels like often. We, we looked in God's Word and we saw that first we are to cover those in authority when they fail. Now covering someone's sin is not the same as condoning their sin. We're not trying to sweep it under the rug. We're not trying to not say that it, it's, it's sin. It is sin. But we are to try to cover them with our prayers and with our blessing and allow God to be the one who judges. God the one to bring accountability. Sometimes God does that through other systems and checks and balances and accountability. But we are to cover them. Second, when authority fails, we saw that we are to obey God's higher authority. We learn there's a difference between obedience and submission. The only unqualified obedience that's ever healthy to give is to God himself. Every other obedience here on earth must be qualified. Is it causing me to go against what God has commanded? If so, I must obey my higher authority other than this delegated authority. 
But while we see this, there's this difference between obedience and submission. While obedience here on earth to a human authority is relative, depending on what they are asking, submission is absolute. So even when I follow God's higher authority, I can still be submissive in the way that I disobey that earthly authority. Finally, we observe from the example of David in the Old Testament that when delegated authority fails, I am to respect those in authority. To dishonor or disrespect that delegated authority, that parent, that teacher, that boss, that religious leader, that civil leader, that government leader, it's disrespectful to God and the authority that he has entrusted to that person or that office or that category of authority. We must make the distinction between the person in the position. We can't always honestly respect that person. Sometimes it may be very difficult to respect that person, but we saw last week that we can always respect the position in which God has allowed that authority to be delegated. And tonight I want us to look at authority and the body of Christ. Now next week will be our last week in this series on authority. We're going to be looking at dealing with rebellion. What do we do when we see rebellion take place? But tonight I want us to look at authority in the body of Christ. And I've kind of organize this, put this together in a quiz, a test. You didn't know there was going to be a test, but there's a test. It's 10 questions, and uh, uh, we're going to walk through together and just see how well you do and how well I do. I guess I have the answers. But we'll see how well we do together on this quiz or this test to help us look at the authority in the body of Christ. The first question on our quiz tonight is this. It's multiple choice, so you've got some things to choose from. The best expression of God's authority is found in the relationship between Which one of these? What do you think? The best expression of God's authority is found in the relationship between rulers and people, between parents and children, between masters and servants, or between Christ and his church. I would argue for us tonight that the best answer, the best answer is letter D, Christ and his church. Here's why. Because Christ and his church is the only one of these examples here where the relationship is organically whole, naturally whole. The Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up only one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Well, what does that mean? Later on, he affirms uh, in Ephesians 4, 15, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of Christ. His body, the church. And all of these other examples, the authority, the relationship with that authority is somewhat detached or imperfect because it's, it's based on humans. For example, parents might sometimes hurt their children. And children may obey outwardly, but inside they are resisting. You've heard the story of the four or five-year-old and the mother says, I, I want you to sit down. The little boy says, I don't want to sit down. The mother says, I'm telling you, you need to obey. You need to sit down. And so the little boy sits down. But he whispers under his breath, I may be sitting, but I'm standing on the inside. There is this human tendency that even in obedience, sometimes it's just an act on the outside. But inside, we are resisting and it is not obedient in the depth of our heart. We begin to see that As a parent might sometimes hurt their child or a child might outwardly obey but inwardly resist, 
The same could be said for rulers and their subjects or employers and their employees. But no healthy head would ever intentionally harm its own body. Not a healthy head. It wouldn't do that. It's not a healthy head would not intentionally harm its own body. So Christ, the head, and his body, the church, is the best expression of God's authority that we can witness here on earth. And this gives us a clue for the answer of our next question. Let's look at the next question together. It's number two. God has ordained the church to be A, an organization, B, an organism, C, an institution, or D, a corporation. Now, if you've taken 101 with me, uh, you already know the answer to this that's in there. But we see that the correct answer, the best answer would be, is B, an organism. Why? Because the church is a living and breathing organism. We are alive. It's not some cold, stale organization or an institution or a corporation. This is the point that Paul was making in Corinthians and other passages that talk about the body of Christ. It's... At its very essence, it's organic. It's not organizational. Oftentimes, we can find the body of Christ can appear to be disorganized. And from the government's uh, standpoint, they would view the, the church as a corporation, but the Bible never refers to Jesus as a CEO. The church structure and its business can be very institutional at some times, but Jesus never referred to himself as a president. He is the head, and the picture he chooses to have revealed about himself, he is the head, and we are the bodily expression of Christ in this world. When Jesus walked on earth, his ministry was limited by his own physical body. This is interesting. Think about this with me. Jesus, in the flesh, here on earth, fully God and fully man, he had only two hands. He had only two feet. He had only one physical voice. But though those are by faith organically christ those who joined christ in that following of believers his ministry was multiplied by the millions with the people who followed him while he was only one man fully god and fully man here on earth two hands two feet one voice he was multiplied by the millions that would end up following him and i believe this is somewhat of what he's getting at when he says to his disciples greater works than I have done, you will also do. When he says, all of you, the church of Jesus Christ, you will multiply in obedience what I am doing, and it will have ripple effects all across this globe. I want to add, not only is the church not an institution, I believe the church is not best described as a democracy. The body of Christ, the church, functions not as a democracy, but as a theocracy. There's churches that have their structure set up that they vote on every single thing. Everybody in the church votes on every single thing. The color of the bathroom walls. They vote on what the pastor should wear. They vote on on what the sermon should be about. And yet we try to follow at Grace Point and in our faith tradition in the Church of Nazarene. We vote holistically as every member on, on few things together. But yet there is strong accountability from the top all the way to the bottom in every aspect of our organism our living breathing church see i don't believe that christ intended for the church to be a democracy i'm not saying democracy is bad but that's not what he created the church to be in fact we see jesus's words in revelation 3:17. christ's most stinging rebuke was to the church in laodicea 
You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's quite a quote from Jesus in Revelation 3.17. See, this particular church had become so consumed with their own needs, with their own rights, that their devotion to Christ had grown lukewarm. They were doing the right things for the wrong reasons. In fact, the word Laodicea means the people's rights. The Bible doesn't talk very favorably about the people's rights. It only encourages submitting to God's authority, His direct and His delegated authority. The church is not a democracy, it's a theocracy. This is something that we need to see over and over again. It's true in our families. It's true in our world that we're called to reach. There is a blessing when we are covered by God's authority. The church is the body of Christ. And when the head, who's the head of the church? It's not me. It's not Dr. Rowland. It's not our general superintendents. The head of the church is not the Pope. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. When he sends a signal to the body, to us in the body, and we obey, we accomplish the will of the head, Christ. And this is a hint for our next question, number three. It's a little bit lengthy here. Let me read it for us. In our physical bodies, some movements are conscious while others are just automatic. For example, when the hand picks up a pencil, it's in response to a conscious command. I think, pick up a pencil. But the heart beats automatically, not waiting for any direct order. In the body of Christ, many of God's people will obey only the conscious commands, thus hindering the unity and the function of Christ's church. Would this be a true statement or a false statement? It's obviously a true statement for us. Sometimes God calls us to be intentionally obedient, where we are calculative and we are calculating exactly how we're going to obey. But many, many times the Lord calls us to follow the 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 promptings, the impulse directions of the Holy Spirit. It becomes a reaction of obedience. Yes, Lord, I've already said the big yes to you, so the little yeses can come quickly as you show them to us. You see, we don't want to ignore anything that God may call us to. 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen. look at this verse. But God made our bodies with many parts, and He has put each part just where he wants it. And this is something that we need to recognize that he has given us a task in his church to be a part of. We have a role to play in the body of Christ and we should not ignore it. We should not slough off. We should not wish that we had some other part. But we are under the authority of Jesus Christ the head and we are to follow what he says. If you're a Christian, God has tailor-made a place for you in this church, in his church. But as long as your motivation for coming to church, or my motivation for coming to church, is what's in it for me, you and I will never discover our part in it. I know some people who get hurt because no one seems to appreciate their gift. You ever been around someone who just didn't feel appreciated? You get a little bit aggravated? No one appreciated their gift or their talents, and they get offended because someone else is selected to do what they feel called to do. It's not an uncommon thing in the body of christ and not just here but anywhere they begin to fixate on 
what they want and begin to try to collect what's for them. See, doctors have a word for a cell in the human body that does this and, and starts seeing things for itself and attacking others. The doctors will tell us a cell that acts like this is a cancer in the body that begins to kill everything around it. Spiritually, in the church, we see the same devastating destruction with this effect in the body of Christ. Cells in the body of Christ, we don't exist for ourselves, but for the good of the body. Look at Ephesians 4.16 with me. I believe it's up on the screen. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, one of the reasons I believe that Grace Point is a healthy church, we are a healthy body of believers, is because we understand and operate under this principle. Yet I believe that there are some Christians who are in the broader body of Christ who rust out because they're living for themselves and they've not found their place in a local body of believers. I believe that one reason that Christians feel like they burn out is not because they're doing too much, but it's because they're doing what they want, not what God calls them to. The fastest way to burn out is not to overload. Don't, that, that's not healthy. The fastest way to burn out is do what you want, not what God has for you. We talked about that this morning. Remember, we are to forget the former things. We are to focus on the upward call. If, if I'm going to focus on the upward call, I've got to see that his plan is better than my plan. It's better than your plan. As long as you and I are focused on our own needs, our own wants, you and I will either rust out or we will burn out. Instead of submitting to the control of the Holy Spirit and following his prompting, some Christians strive in the flesh and justify themselves to try to impress others or to satisfy their own needs. This is not the authority that God calls in the church. Jesus is the head of the church. So what makes a good church? Not if I'm pleased or you're pleased. What makes a great church gathering? Not when we all go, whoo, we got what we want. If God's pleased, is the Lord being worship is is he directing the path of that body of believers is is he pleased with that family of christ you see there's maybe an example that might help us for example they may want to be the mouth this person who may be one of thinking for themselves but god has called them to be the foot and the only cure is to humble ourselves and confess this, what it is. It's, it's a rebellion in our heart. And, and then we can begin to experience the freedom from ministering the way that God has called us to minister. Well, let's move on to number four. Our fourth question in our quiz tonight is, the church is a place for worship and fellowship, but not a place to learn authority. False. A church built on Mutual fellowship without an understanding of authority is like a body trying to function without a head. The result is confusion and chaos. Paul is teaching us here that the only way that we can discover true fellowship with other members is through an understanding of submission to God's direct and His delegated authority. He goes on in the 12th chapter to address the specific function of each member. And it leads us to this fifth question. 
in the body of Christ, the members that have multiple functions are more valuable than those with a singular function. Would that be true for us? Those that have more functions or numerous gifts are more important than those who have a single function or a single gift. Absolutely false. This is not true. Well, how do we know? Look at verse 25 with me. Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26. God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the believers, among the members, so that all members care for each other equally. So in other words, every member, the weakest to the strongest, the biggest to the smallest, the most presentable to the least presentable, is a vital part of Christ's body. In fact, to reject or to discredit a member of Christ's body is the same thing as rejecting Christ himself. We need to recognize other members and the authority of Jesus Christ that is in their calling that the Lord has given to them. We need to see that 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 need is not based upon our mutual likes and dislikes. That's not where our respect comes from one another. It's based upon the will of Jesus Christ that leads to this sixth question. The function of each member of the body of Christ constitutes its authority so the function and what we are doing that the lord has called us to brings about that authority from christ this is true absolutely true for example when you want to see something physically you defer to your eyes you let your eyes do the seeing but imagine if you your hand said i'm sick and tired of the eyes seeing things the hand wants to see I want to block the eyes, and I want to do the scene. It's ridiculous. The hand is not created to see. The hand cannot see. There needs to be an understanding that the authority given by Jesus is he has gifted us to operate in certain ways, and we need to defer and to submit to that calling and that purpose that God has given to each member in the body of Christ. And there's times when they take the lead at different points. We begin to see that this is absolutely true. Yet, sometimes in the body of Christ, we can act that very way. When someone is gifted or anointed or appointed for a specific function in the body, we should submit to that functional authority regardless of who we are or how we feel about it. But sometimes we resist that and we say, I don't want it to be that way or, or I wish I could be in that position or, or I don't like it that they have, have that or, or it makes me feel bad. It's resisting what the Lord has set up. Number seven. When one member of the body refuses to accept the supply of other members, it creates poverty in that member as well as in the church. Absolutely true. At the end of this chapter, Paul asks a series of rhetorical questions. He wasn't looking for a response, but he's asking for us to think. He says, are all apostles, all teachers, all workers, all workers of miracles, all those gifts to every single person the answer is obviously no and neither should it be that way it's a a bold-faced lie of pride that presumes that every single person could do every single thing and that they should and yet sometimes there's some misteaching that would say that every person could and should have every gift or they should have a particular gift this attitude creates division in the body of christ 
the reason that churches split most often, most often, is not because of a theological difference. They split most often because one group wants to have control over another group, and they refuse to recognize the authority of the other members and submit to how God has created each of them to play a part. Friend, you and I need the Holy Spirit to teach us to celebrate the unity that we can have in Christ through the diversity of the way that He has created us. One of the things I love about a church like ours, God has not organized every church the way he has at Grace Point. But we are so blessed with the leadership structure that God has given to us. I, uh, not, I grew up in the Church of the Nazarene, but I chose the Church of the Nazarene. I didn't have to, to follow in the Church of the Nazarene. But one thing I like, you need to know this and be mindful of, of the organism that God has called us to be at every level, from the local church to the district, that regional church, to the international church, we have laity and clergy and authority side by side. All the way through, from the local church to the district to the general church, we begin to see that there is a place for each involved there. And we begin to see this blessing that God has given to us in authority. I think it's important to see that In our church, God has given us this gift of authority. We see it taking place, and we need to see it as a blessing, not a curse for our life. Number eight, God uses authority to oppress and to stifle the growth of the individual member so that the greater body may benefit. This is one of those questions that if a teacher wrote, they probably would say it's a bad question because it's obviously false. But yet when we think about it, sometimes we act or feel that way. This is what Satan wants you and I to think. But it's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Remember, until you and I see authority, God's direct and delegated authority as a gift, as a blessing, we'll never ever be able to operate the way he's created us to operate. The irony in the body of Christ is that when you die to yourself, when I die to myself, and we give up our rights, it's then and only then that we can receive the greatest blessings from the Lord. And yet when we try to cling on to power and control, we miss this great blessing that God has for us. Number nine, much of what you and I receive from God, I receive through the body of Christ. True to this question. That's why Satan's tactic is to try to isolate you and me from the body of believers. When you are wounded, when you're discouraged, when you're hurt, when you feel ashamed, when you feel exhausted, the enemy will do his best to keep you from going to church, to get you to stay at home. Why do we gather? Why do we not give up on this pattern of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing? We gather together because there's strength that come comes in the body of Christ together. And as soon as the enemy can get us isolated, he has got point one of his victory down. He can then begin to spill lie after lie after lie upon you, and there's not another brother or sister to dispel that lie. It's the best way to deal with deception and denial. How do you know if you're deceived? You don't. You're deceived. By its very definition, it's hard to to see when you're deceived. But when you have a brother and sister in the Lord that you trust, that you love, that you have a relationship with, and they lovingly come to you and say, "I, I, I would not keep stabbing that fork into your arm. 
I'm fine. It looks like it hurts. Let's stop doing that. They can protect you and guard you from what the enemy wants to get you all alone dealing with. Much of what I receive from God, I receive through the body of Christ. Absolutely true. Our tenth and final question in this quiz, you didn't know it was a pop quiz, but you're doing good. I'm trying to give you the answers before. If you don't have 100%, I can't help you. You're not listening. Most people want God to speak to them directly. And He will speak to you directly. But we want to hear God the way we want to hear Him. But often, not always, often a main avenue, maybe even sometimes a preferred avenue at different times in our life, the way He speaks to us is through delegated authority or other brothers and sisters who have the authority of Jesus Christ in their life as they play their part in the body of Christ. I've discovered this to be true in my life. Sometimes God speaks to me through someone who I wish He wouldn't speak to me through. I shared with you a couple weeks ago, I was listening to a a sermon on the radio through a a preacher that, I I mean, I don't know him, but for whatever reason, I don't know him, my humanness, I just don't care for his style or whatever. But the Lord was speaking to him, the Lord said, you need to listen to this. I I don't know if you've ever been around someone or some person or authority and and what they were saying was God's truth to you, but Lord, I want to hear it a different way. What we're really saying is, God, I don't like your message enough to receive it however you want to give it. We need to recognize that God often will use a delegated authority to speak his truth into our life. It's not isolated to that. There's other ways, but often he will do that, and it's a blessing for us. When I reject it, what I'm saying is, I'm not willing to listen to you, God, in that avenue. I only want to hear you on my terms. In other words, you follow what I want. It's the very reason I believe God uses this delegated authority there's no more perfect pattern to witness how spiritual authority works in relationship than the body of christ with jesus being the head he is perfect you and i are not i think sometimes in our consumer christianity we look for a body of believers that is perfect Or exactly what we want. If you find the perfect church, would you do me a favor? Don't attend, because you'll mess it up. (laughs) We, We want everyone and everything else to be exactly how we want it, but yet God says, wait, wait, I love you so much, I'm not going to give you that crazy wish. He has created us as His kids to fall underneath His authority. And He's delegated authority to parents to teachers, to those in in government, to those in religious places of leadership, of board members and pastors and, and group leaders and teachers. And He has called us to say, Jesus, would you teach me the value of trusting you and being obedient to you? I want to hear you, Jesus, through the lens of authority that you've given to me. The Lord has been speaking to us in this series I believe His Spirit is wanting to give you and I the blessing, the covering of authority. Heavenly Father, I thank You for my brothers and sisters who week in and week out are diligent to not only come and meet with the body of Christ, to not only search the Word with me and we look for what You're saying to us. Lord, I thank You for my brothers and sisters tonight who in overwhelming, almost 
I would assume unanimous. Want to do what it is you're saying, not just hear what you're saying. Lord, would you help us to see this gift you've given to us with this topic of authority in the body of Christ? And Lord, would you help us in the the roles that we play, each of us in this room have some place of delegated authority over someone else. At some place in our life, at some time in our life, we will have delegated authority. Lord, would you help us to see that we are to lead and to serve Jesus as you did. Lord, everyone in this room, at every moment of our life, has delegated authority over them. Would you help us, Jesus, to see the covering that you give to us? This is a blessing, not a curse. Lord, would you help us to live countercultural? When our culture says, do what you want, the way you want, when you want, look out for yourself because no one else will. May we fly in the face of that and say, Father God, I want to do what you want when you want to do it, how you want me to do it. I want to fall underneath your direct and delegated authority. Not mindlessly obedient without any qualifications to any human. But absolutely a submission in spirit to allow you to use it to cause us to live as humble leaders and humble followers. Just like you led Jesus. Lord, as we chew on this word, I anticipate a great feast of nourishment as my brothers and sisters and I try to be obedient to what you're teaching us. So Lord, I thank you for the food. I thank you for the satisfaction. I thank you for the way it will dance upon the tongue of our heart as we live obedient to what you're saying. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, I want to thank you for your gathering tonight. Uh, In all seriousness, I want to encourage you to find one other person before you take off tonight. And if you want two or three, that's fine. But find one other person and just ask them how you could be praying for them this week. I recognize in a few seconds we're all going to go and it's up to you if you choose to do that or not. Uh, Sometimes we end with a thing. You go, ah, I'm not going to hug anybody. But in all seriousness. Find another person and just say, is there a way I can pray for you? And if they say no, just say, great, I'd like to pray for you in general. But I believe as we hear about the body of Christ, um, it'd be great to just embrace that together. God bless you. Find someone, pray for them, and bundle up. It's cold. You're dismissed.